0: All things end. Everything must end. Even a season of Mad About You. What does this mean? Well, Russ, what comes
1: to mind is the notable song, To Everything. There is a season, turn, turn, turn. hmm Is that the song? That's, that's a, yeah. It, a time for it, Paul, a time for Jamie. Boy, that would have been a great parody opening.
0: A time for Paul, a time for James, a time for Fran, a time for Ira, a time for Lisa and Harriet, a time for us to wonder where Selby's gone. I don't even
1: wonder anymore. (laughs) I mean, seriously, right? That's the magic of television. I don't care where he is. I, I mean not think left, about him
0: We got rid of him for a reason We got rid of him
1: Yeah <laughs> If Mad About You was a final frontier We're traveling outside of time and space here So let's bring it down now It's just what we do It's Mad About Mad About, Mad about. Mad about You
0: I was both a mover and a shaker in the in the the Selby furlough. You're the one who hired him away from the show, right? Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: Yeah, he came to your school and did a middle school movie you were writing.
0: We were doing politically correct bedtime stories, <laughs> and uh, we needed a third little pig in drama club. <laughs> Is that and I a said, real "Hey, thing? Tommy Hinckley." That was the play that we did when I was in seventh grade. Yeah, it's
1: not politically correct to call them pigs. Rust, they're amphibians. Yeah, that's- Oh, boy. What's a pig?
0: It's a mammal. Oh, whatever. What are we? Oh, mammals. (laughs) Yeah, that was what we did my seventh grade year in a drama club. That's adorable. It was fun.
1: Did you study seventh grade in a kindergarten class? (laughs) (laughs) You know what? Our seventh grade play was called Reynard the Fox,
0: so... Oh, uh, did you do it in a uh, natural preserve?
1: I think I see what you're going for. It's a different kind of insult.
0: It doesn't sting <laughs> yeah. at all. It doesn't. That was not was not good. Welcome. would oh, listening- you do it. <laughs> you're listening to Mad About Mad About You. You're Mad About You Recap Podcast. My name happens to be Russell Fader and my name
1: is decisively Jonathan Marbley.
0: Hello, John. Are you well? Are you good? I'm great. End of the season. What? End of, oh, this end, season, it's, yes. It's end of season three of Mad About You. I can't, and at the same time, it's the beginning of 2019. Correct. Does Just anything make sense? As anymore?
1: we are ending something, we're beginning something.
0: It reminds me of a song to <laughs> oh, everything. Please don't.
1: <laughs> it is strange to be closing a third season.
0: There were how many seasons total? Six seven. seven. Seven, right? Like so this we, is, um,
1: oh, this isn't, we're not halfway. No, season four uh, yeah, will yeah, be, yeah.
0: we will hit our halfway point in season four. Oh, this, <laughs> yeah, right? It's taking forever. <laughs> it's very long. It's very, very long.
1: Okay, well, it still feels like a lot because season three, you know, when a show hits season three, they're usually pretty safe, especially when they're yes. doing as well in the ratings as Bad About You was. For sure. So I feel like our podcast has no
0: risk of getting canceled at this point. We could go as long as we want, especially when it's doing as well as our podcast. Absolutely. Do. And Our podcast know, has also been nominated for many Emmys. It has? Oh, yeah. Are there radio awards? Oh, there's podcast awards. I believe there's both. The potties. The potties. Yeah. It's a little toilet. I,
1: <laughs> you know, my uh, my slogan in high school for the uh, student body council election was mm-hmm. this school needs a John and I put up posters of toilets everywhere. You must have won. Nope. That's crushing. Believe it or not, Russ, the funniest poster wasn't necessarily the winner.
0: I don't think that's true. Because in my head, I'm just like, now I know who won. And that's Jimmy Urinal. Uh-huh. And he had uh-huh. hilarious posters.
1: It's not funny if it's literal, though. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, Mine has you're a leap right.
0: in it. you got to A to C these names. Bingo. Bingo. <laughs> and you're fine? I'm well. Doing well, can't complain. Everything is. Uh, had a lovely holiday season, and now it's January. It hasn't been too cold, and that's good because now that it's no longer Christmas and New Year's, if it snows, I'm gonna be mad.
1: Yeah, I was talking uh, with some friends about this, about maybe moving Christmas to uh, late winter, ooh, so that we get build up to it. And then when it's over, it's like, hey, spring. I like this idea. It's an arbitrary day anyway. You know, they picked a day. It's not the exact day that Jesus was born in
0: Bethlehem. I believe that that is the case, although I'm not going to declare any of that, as I do not know for sure. Hey, any
1: publicity is good publicity. I guess
0: that's true. (laughs) Cause a stir. I love that plan. Years ago, Jen got me a winter coat for Christmas. And I was like, thank you so much. This is great. Oh, it's just a bummer that I can only use it for like two more weeks. And she was like, what are you talking about? And I was like, well, it's winter. And then, you know, once a year, she's like, it's going to be cold for another four to five months. Yeah, this is the denial we live in.
1: (laughs) I like that it's hard. I like that it's hard. Sure. Like that dad in the season four opener of the West Wing. What does he say? He's, he's trying to send his daughter to college, and he's talking to Toby at the bar, and he's like, I, I want it to be hard. It should be hard. Send your daughter to college? That's a big thing. There you go. And I'm saying, surviving winter after Christmas, that's hard. We all go back to work. We all hit the slog again. I think it's healthy. Let's right. earn spring. Let's,
0: let's earn spring. Let's earn spring. Mad about mad about yeah. you.
1: Believe it or not, that didn't win me the election either. I was
0: gonna say that's a real good slogan, bud.
1: Earn your summer vacation.
0: (laughs) (laughs) This walking toilet thinks you should earn your summer vacation.
1: (laughs) So this we oh oh programming note. Programming note. Yes. We are good folks. As is tradition. (laughs) Yep. Or as Mad About You did. It took a small hiatus over the summer. After the season finale of season three. We're mm-hmm. gonna take a a very short month.
0: Yeah, we're still gonna bring you uh content on our typical bi weekly, every other weekly more videos. or less. We'll but do a mini soda two. Mini soda two of some goodies. But as far as uh, recapping Matt about you proper, we'll be back in mid February with
1: February twelfth. Yeah. The week of Valentine's oh. Day. I can't think of a more appropriate time to come back. How can you miss us if we
0: won't go away?
1: That's right. And also, I think it'll be nice to take a little break from the, uh, from Mad About You, the way yeah. uh, our forefathers would have when it was airing.
0: This is true. I'm sure they didn't watch on a weekly basis. And I'm sure, sure they didn't watch over the summer.
1: Yeah. <laughs> They'd watch reruns. Should we redo yeah. a few episodes?
0: <laughs> yeah. That would be ah, the most that's a accurate. Funny idea. Yeah. <laughs> May tell us if we, you think we should do that, everybody. We're not going to, but tell us if, if we should. Ra- <laughs> <laughs> we can either do some other material that we haven't watched before that is tangentially related to Mad About You people, or we can re- Oh, I can't even get this joke out. I don't want to do it. I don't want to re-watch and re-record these Yeah, don't do it. Episodes. I don't want to do it either. But it's, it's a fun idea. It's not on the table.
1: Forget it. It's one of those things is more fun in talking about it than execution. Mm hmm. So but now getting into the episode, I guess, right? Yes. We recapped uh Yes. Epi- season three, episode twenty three, which
0: is mm-hmm. a two parter. Twenty three and twenty four.
1: So that's what it is on the D V D, but everywhere else it's just references twenty three. Okay, interesting. I think they consider there's also note to be continued, I feel like.
0: What? On the Like when? at the
1: end, you know what I mean? It just goes to credits. Oh, that's, I guess that's true. It's very clear that, like, this is one episode of television.
0: Sure. We'll I call think. it one hour-long episode. Correct. The episode is titled Up in Smoke. And uh, this, you are currently listening to episode 69 of Mad About Mad About You. Which is crazy. Right? Yeah. This episode a- aired on
1: May 18th, 1995. Mm-hmm. You want to hear the uh, TV Guide description? Yes, of course I do. The Buckman's third anniversary celebration of the Twilight Room becomes a trip into the Twilight Zone. Oh,
0: wow.
1: Wow, I didn't read that correct. I didn't parse that the first when I casually read it when I was pasting it in my notes. That is great. They are taking real license with this description. They are, but honestly, Russ, when I first watched this last night, Uh I hated it so much.
0: I thought that you might have. It's based on the very little conversation that we had
1: yeah and then when i read this description today when i was making my notes i thought you know that description does help me parse
0: this in a more fair manner
1: and uh upon rewatching today i think you'll find my like notes are much longer than my dislike notes
0: okay i'm looking forward to that
1: this is exceptional i i almost feel like the tv guy brought in a guest writer
0: it was rod serling <laughs>
1: Every episode description in that week's TV guide referenced the Twilight Zone. Reference the Twilight Zone. They all had yeah.
0: twists. Yeah. All... Nightline.
1: And <laughs> a real Twilight
0: Zone twist. Bill Clinton. <laughs> Imagine a world where the apartments are huge in New York City <laughs> and 20-somethings can afford them.
1: Yeah. Well, then we'll get to it. Ira's apartment <laughs> is huge in this one. Sure is. And Jamie's is super tiny. Do we see Jamie's apartment? Even though Ira... Or... Oh, that's
0: right. And Paul... Was that Jamie's deadbeats? apartment or... Yeah, yeah. And Jamie is like a partner at a huge firm. I think Jamie... It wasn't Jamie's apartment. I think Oh, it was Lisa's. It was Lisa's apartment. Oh, right. She moved, right. She moved with... back in with yeah. Lisa, right? Yes. Okay. That makes sense. So, yeah. You didn't like this episode. You hated I... this episode. Well, I... It's
1: not... So, I loved... Christine and I really liked part one. Okay. A lot of good laughs. And then part yes. two felt like I was watching... A seven hour
0: miniseries on nothing. <laughs> There's a lot of sax music. There's a it lot of is so mysterious boring. underscoring. I loved it. I love both parts of this. You uh, are this out. Episode. If
1: you think both parts are equally entertaining, you're out of your mind. Objectively. <laughs> that is an objectively
0: stupid opinion. <laughs> That's why they call me objectively stupid Russ. <laughs> I enjoyed both. I, very, I can't very wait much. to find out
1: why. You're out of your mind. I think it all worked really well together. Oh, you're out of your mind,
0: Fader. <laughs> so this episode starts with no cold open. Are we doing and... any talking about other things? Oh, yeah. We can skip it.
1: No, do no, no. Anything? I was just
0: like, it feels like we jump into it, but... Hey, Rise guys, short.
1: Rise gals, we're already on vacation. Yeah,
0: I need a break. We're <laughs> this one in. Well, no, you're right. I apologize. I do. I actually did a lot of work on this one. Oh, do tell. Which is to say, so in the past two weeks since we last spoke, the world lost Penny Marshall. Yes. I forgot already. Can you believe that? Incredibly funny, smart, wonderful uh, director and actress. She did big. Lots of lots of great stuff. She was Laverne from Laverne and Shirley. And she did A League of Their, their Own. own. Yep. Yeah. Oh, good. Okay. I didn't know yeah. you were building to that. I thought
1: you I was.
0: No, 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 I did not. What I did was. She also I watched... played
1: Oscar Madison's secretary on the Odd Couple TV series.
0: I didn't know that. One of her That's greatest turns. Neat. That's great. Continue. This week, I Myrna. watched. Her name was Myrna. Her name is Myrna. Just came to me. <laughs> Keep going. I'm sorry. This week, I watched A League of Their Own.
1: Oh, lucky, lucky man. Well, wait for it, because I didn't finish my sentence. If you say it doesn't hold up, I'm going to end the podcast right now. Uh, that's if not you like the say. second episode of this episode of Mad About <laughs> You, and you don't like A League of Their Own anymore, it, we're done.
0: I love A League of
1: Their Own. Okay, great.
0: It's gotten better with age. Ooh,
1: Russ, you just really saved uh, You saved their friendship. <laughs> <laughs> there was a lot riding on that.
0: <laughs> However. Oh, oh, easy, pal. <laughs> what I watched Was a league of their own. The TV show? The television show. Yes, it's on YouTube, right? We covered it once. It's on YouTube. It was in. uh, She directed that episode, didn't she? 1993. She directed the pilot episode. Yes. And. (laughs) It sucks. It's rough sledding. <laughs> Jen hated this episode of television more than any of the garbage that I've made her watch.
1: Russ, I almost watched it when she passed away. Independent of this podcast, I was so I'm so
0: curious about that. What it is? It's a lot of track. So basically, Dottie moves back in with her folks. Why? And because, oh, she can't afford to live alone. Yeah. I well, gotcha. Bill went back to war. Back to war? Yes. What is it, during Korea now? No, it's still World War II. Oh, he gets called back? He was discharged. Because he was injured. He was shot. Yes, this is true. This is true. In the leg. Yes. And I guess they were like, we'll still take you or something. Wow. But he went back to war. I guess he could peel potatoes. And so she moved back home. (laughs) So in the pilot, peaches are not good. Is that an expression? Well, the team name is the peaches. I thought and... you said the pizzas. <laughs> I thought you the said that. Like, it's like,
1: oh, look out, buddy. The pizzas are not good.
0: <laughs> it's, that's an expression now. I that was
1: some Long Island expression.
0: Oh, my gosh. So for you, part one of this episode, fantastic. Part two, pizzas were the pizzas not good. The not good. The peaches <laughs> are not
1: good. They're not good in the movie either, though.
0: They are good. They make it to the... They lose the World Series. But doesn't it take them a minute? Yes, but they are also, saved. Also, they
1: win the World Series against a bunch of, you know, okay teams, I feel like.
0: I thought you were going to say girls, and I, I was going to be very confused. <laughs> sure, I mean, how hard is that? I beat a bunch of girls. I was, <laughs> and
1: that would have been funnier, and I backed off it right at the very last <laughs> Not second.
0: Not me, baby! I'm such a wimp. <laughs> so, Sam McMurray... Plays Jimmy Dugan. Okay. Those are some big shoes to fill. (laughs) They sure are. And he just kind of, they work in everything from this show. He's like, What's my one rule? There's no crying in baseball. And he makes them all say it like three times. Oh. We know him from a lot of things. He's a great that guy. We do. Yeah, this time of year, I know him particularly from. Plains, trains, and automobiles. No, but he is in. Home Alone. Vacation. Christmas Vacation. He plays Chevy Chase's co-worker, Bill, who's just like, well, I hope you have a great Christmas, or whatever he says. And he's just like, yeah. when he talks to him about putting in the pool.
1: That's funny. I don't I don't remember. He's in a million things.
0: Sam McMurray is who you said? That's him. Yep. I'm looking
1: at a headshot. I don't recognize that man at all. Oh, yeah. Oh, maybe Why, I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was not mad about you, huh? He looks like he'd be a good... um. Jamie's boss, or something.
0: He does look that way. Yeah, he's got a very boss kind
1: of look. Yeah, about him. like he'd play a lot of bosses in the 90s. Sure. On TV shows.
0: Other people in this show Christine Elise, who was Emily Valentine on Beverly Hills 90210, amongst other things. She was in ER for a little bit. Who was she on ER? I don't have her name. Because I didn't watch that other show. <laughs> Let me see. In ER, she was. She was on the. She looks very second familiar. Season.
1: Yes, she looks very familiar. I forget her name. Lucy?
0: She played Harper Tracy.
1: Harper Tracy, of course. I think they probably just called her Harper. Probably. Do you think they, out of like, their brain was short, because they all call each other by their last names on that show, their brain short-circuited and they just gave her a last name as a first name?
0: Yes. Yeah, I'm sure.
1: I am too. (laughs) Did you know they remade Fantasy Island in the 90s? No, I did not. Me neither. She was on it. Wow. Wow. In an episode called Estrogen, which I'm sure holds up well. Sure. How it's, couldn't it? Oh, my gosh. It starred Malcolm McDowell, Edward Hibbert, who was on uh, tonight's episode of Mad About You. Oh, okay. And Fivish Finkel, whose sons hey, I saw playing the xylophon. Uh, xylophon. Yes. <laughs> anyway, that's just weird. That is weird. And there's no tattoo. There's some fat guy who's, like, tall.
0: <laughs> huh. I don't want to watch
1: this show. Yeah, I don't either. Anyway, sorry to to go off on a tangent here.
0: Quite all right. So they also had in this show Tracy Reiner and Megan Kavanaugh reprised their roles. Megan Kavanaugh played Marla Hooch. She played Marla in the show as well. I mean, listen,
1: she's great. She's always great. I'm sure she's still great. Mm -hmm. It's just out of context. Hearing this makes it feel like a very screech move. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. It kind of plays
1: that way. Two, she doesn't really... Two actors who signed on to the TV show from the movie.
0: Yeah. Well, Tracy Reiner was also Penny Marshall's daughter, which I did not know.
1: I assumed.
0: Uh, but yeah. And here's the thing Because you know, Carl and her were married. Rob and her, yes. That's what I meant. Yes. And Jen knew, without looking it up, that Rob adopted her, but was not her biological father. So how about that?
1: That's amazing. Often... Yeah. Also, Russ, you seemed surprised yeah. that those two things weren't both
0: true. What's that?
1: Well, that he was not you said like well he was not the biological father, or no? He said he adopted her and also was not the biological father. <laughs> Can
0: you believe it? Can you believe both of those things? Like in a real not twist. only one but also yeah. the other. Uh. That's very Shakespearean. <laughs> so Tracy Reiner played Betty Spaghetti. In the movie. I don't remember her, really. She is the one whose husband dies in the war. Oh, brutal. And John, there is a recurring joke. Oh, no. About her dead husband?
1: Yes. Oh, I might watch this tonight.
0: In the show where Jimmy comes in and he's just like, he's yelling at all the girls because they're bad. That stinks and that stunk and you were bad. And how could you do that? Everybody's terrible except for you, Betty. Betty, good job, good job. All the rest of you whose husbands didn't die in the war, you got a lot of shit. Um, that's a line. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I, I oh,
1: this is interesting. I see that Gary Marshall was also in this. Uh, in he was in, in this show. episode
0: along with John Lovitz. That Ripper is, is they those brought, are great gets. They brought out the big guns. It's because the they're movie. all friends, I think. Well, I mean, Gary Marshall and Penny, I believe, were pretty close.
1: Yeah, they were close. Married, I think. Brother and sister. <laughs> I know, I'm joking. You're gross, John. It's not funny. It's <laughs> okay, sue me. <laughs> it's 10 o'clock on a Tuesday, Wednesday.
0: <laughs> and John Lovitz is great. He plays the... Uh, he play, what do they yep. need a scout for at this point? They got the team. They need a scout to be played by John Lovitz so he can be on primetime television and, <laughs> and introduce Gary Marshall.
1: You know what? Good enough for me.
0: Yeah, it was great. <laughs> Though that was great, this show was not very good. Uh, there were, I think, five episodes that were shot, maybe six. Three of them aired in March. One of them aired in August. And the remaining one was never aired. That so uh, was brutal. So this show did not work. And also, Jen, at the end of this, was like, <laughs> there for all the, so much of the episode was about trying to connect the reality of the show to the movie. Right. Where they're just like, We were good. Then Dottie left. Why did Dottie leave? Because her husband went back to the war. Da 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 da. And just making the whole thing aye connect. Aye, aye. And then at the end, Jen's just like, Why the hell is Kit back on the peaches? And it's like, yeah, Kit got traded, remember? Oh yeah, right. Good points. <laughs> why did we lay all that pipe? Yeah. To miss that. Yeah. Great point. (laughs) She's very adept at noticing things and also astute, which is the word I wanted to use. E.E. Bell. I don't know what that is.
1: He's an actor. He looks familiar. It doesn't matter.
0: (laughs) Where is he from?
1: Where did you come across that name? He plays the man in the stands. And I think he plays the same thing in the
0: movie. Okay. Big fat bald guy. Okay, that sounds right. Yeah. I thought that you were just... Oh,
1: no. He plays her dad in the... You know what? I don't remember. I'm like, you might just
0: be looking up names.
1: No, no, I'm not, though. (laughs) That's always possible, but I'm not. I'm not.
0: (laughs) So that is A League of Their Own, the television show, available right now on YouTube. Watch it if everything else on the internet goes away. I mean, what a world. Yeah, I loved the movie so much. I, that was also back when uh, novelizations were big. So like, oh, I watched dear. the movie, then I read the book oh. of the
1: movie. Oh, that book must suck. Compared <laughs> I, to the I, movie, I, at least, you know? Probably. I loved it at the time. Like, You must be reading
0: the book being like, boy, the movie's way better. Well, kind of, but also the fun thing about reading a novelization of a movie you've already seen is you know everything that's going to happen. That's true. And you're just like, oh, we're going to get to the part where such and such happens. I can't wait to hear how they describe it. Yeah. I saw Fellowship of the Ring before I read any of the Lord of the Rings books, and that's the only one that I read, and I read it after, and the whole time I was just like, why am I doing this? Why am I reading this? I just watched it, and all I'm doing is reading, waiting to get to the parts that I just saw. So boring.
1: (laughs) I haven't seen those movies. I hear they're great. I love them. Well, me, I really liked him a lot. Let me tell you something that might be an unpopular opinion. What's that? There's no book
0: more boring than The Hobbit. <laughs> I would say that I disagree with you in theory, but uh, I just said that I thought The Fellowship of the Ring was real boring. So. That's true. I'm not alone here.
1: You hate R.R. No. Tolkien's writing, or whatever his name is, J.R., R.R. Martin Tolkien. To say nothing of the J. <laughs> J.R. Tolkien?
0: J.R.R. R. And George R. 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 Martin? George R.R. J.R.R. R. They
1: both have two R's. Is that some kind of medieval nerd writer thing?
0: I think it's more like J.R.R. R. was like, this is my name. And George R.R. R. was like, this is like his name.
1: Oh, do you think it's an homage?
0: I th- think so. That's I think sweet. I'd be surprised if it wasn't. Do you so, think yeah.
1: George R.R. R. doesn't know what the second R stands for and he just did it?
0: Like he may just say it's like uh, the same name twice. He's George Rodney Rodney Martin. The first star really stands for Rodney? Nope.
1: Uh, (laughs) Oh, how I wish. (laughs) What's new in your world, John? Oh, I did a little daily news dive. Oh, fun. Yeah, just to, you know, get a little vibe. uh, Yeah. See see what was up. I looked at the uh, daily news for the day this episode aired and found a few uh, fun little throwback-y kind of stories. Tell me about them. Okay, so I feel like it might just be that I don't read the right kind of news. Okay. But this feels like a very um, 90s. I feel like there was always a, you know, that lady poured hot coffee on herself and sued McDonald's. Sure. I'm sure there were other coffee stories. I don't know. I feel like hot coffee stories of the
0: 90s. It was everyone's favorite coffee table book. Yeah. The hot coffee (laughs) stories of the 90s.
1: So this is now this happened in New Jersey, but the Daily News covered it. Tri-State area. Headline Robber was packing heated coffee.
0: Boo. A
1: 35 year old man has been charged with holding up an area store using a hot cup of coffee as a weapon. Great. (laughs) Isn't that fun? I'm fully on board with this. Carl Rankin bought a hot cup of coffee to go from a convenience store at dawn on Tuesday at dawn. Russ, (laughs) you, me, coffee. Coffee Tomorrow at dawn. Weehawking. As as clerk John Salvatore was reaching into the cash register to give him change, police said Rankin threw the coffee at the clerk's head. I mean, that's not good. No. He then reached into
0: the register to grab the cash.
1: Salvatore, oh, 18. Were you expecting that?
0: No, he was in his 40s in my mind.
1: Yeah, same, 40s to 50s. Yeah. He was 18, so he ducked because he has the agility of like Superman because he's 18. Was only slightly burned. He chased Rankin, who police said they found minutes later in a parked car a few blocks away.
0: What? It sounds a parked like parked car. Yeah, he ran into his car. He sped off. He got <laughs> four found a great away. spot. <laughs> yeah, <he's... laughs>
1: sped by it, thought that can't be a spot.
0: Circled, was... circled back. <laughs> he was like, oh great, Seven Eleven. I got to reload. <laughs>
1: I feel like you remember when we were kids. There used to be a lot of those specials of like dumb and dumb criminals. I do, and it'd be like surveillance of idiots mm-hmm. failing mm-hmm. at robbing things. Yep, they don't do those anymore, That's the do sky. they?
0: I don't think so. Not I feel very like everything's often, no. more
1: serious now.
0: Yeah, it and also is.
1: the trigger, like people don't care. It's like it has now. It has to be like, oh, look at how uh, look at how these two escaped uh, murderous uh, the serial That's killer. That's true.
0: Yeah. yeah, now it's just like oh. They got away scot free. Yeah. Right. You know,
1: nobody was brutally injured. Yeah. Look at the quirky way this guy tortures and murders people. Oh, gosh. In a random town.
0: Oh, man. The landscape has certainly changed. We've gone off the rails, ladies
1: and gentlemen. (laughs) Now, this is a fun one. I love a good political hypocritical story. Okay. Prez Hopeful. Graham says he invested. Now I don't remember this guy at all. Do you remember uh, Senator Phil Graham, a Republican from Texas, running for president? No. I guess in the pro- in the Republican primaries in '95. Okay. The '96 election. <laughs> He's
0: running for president. I, wow! Wow! We are when we started. Bill Clinton had just won the election. You're right, and now we're already running. And again. now we're already.
1: Wow. That is
0: weird. Holy yeah, moly! That is
1: weird. So this guy is running as a champion of family values admitted yesterday he was once an unwitting financial angel for a softcore pornographic movie. <laughs> Great. <laughs> he said that 20 years ago, a former brother-in-law <laughs> okay, duped him into investing in the skin flick biz.
0: That's really funny.
1: But the ex-relative, George Caton, insists that Graham's eyes were wide open when he ponied up the... S- also, listen to the amount. 7500 bucks. <laughs> what was this, a snuff film on a camcorder?
0: No, but I mean, softcore porn doesn't cost a lot more than a snuff film.
1: I think it might. You one, think so? The ones I've seen are pretty high budget. I mean... They're I... Always shooting in Malibu houses. There's cars. <laughs> there's guns. You know what I mean? <laughs> there's
0: guns! So usually. And we all know how expensive guns are. <laughs> you think that's on the budget? <laughs> <laughs> The no-finished <laughs> film project, Beauty how much? How much of that 7500 do you think went towards guns? <laughs> well,
1: this isn't a gun movie.
0: Okay. But in general, all of it.
1: All of it? Well, because you need a gun handler, too. You pay them a sure. daily. It's, uh, it adds up. It adds up! Caden <laughs> was to have produced the film for writer-director Mark Luster, who I looked up, who made these softcore skin flicks... But then went on to like have a whole career. Like he, he directed Commando, for example, with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh, wow, great. Yeah, I know. It's okay, fine. But it's legit. Yeah, sure. No, that's awesome. So Beauty Queens was a sexploitation of beauty contests. It was a sexploitation of beauty contests. How all the beauty queens are expletive. The contest judges to win. Oh, I get it. Oh. Uh, Sleeping with. Sure. Katon told the New Republic magazine We gave Phil the script to read and he loved it. <laughs>
0: Oh, man. I'm
1: just imagining this guy going home at night with his beautiful leather briefcase because he's a Republican senator. Sure. A stack of laws of of Senate resolutions to read through. Mm -hmm. And one screenplay
0: that just says beauty queens. He's looking through his resolutions and he keeps on eyeing the corner of his eye. That screenplay is just staring back at him. He can't take his eyes off it. He's just got to... And then he falls asleep with the script on his chest, and he goes into
1: a dream state where the beauty queens all get free health (laughs) care. And it changes his politics. (laughs) Caton also claimed that he showed Graham rushes of another Lester flick called Truck Stop Women, and it really got Phil titillated because there was frontal nudity in it. (laughs) Sure. This guy is such a, like, mischievous... This Caton
0: guy, this ex-brother-in-law... (laughs) <laughs> yeah,
1: such a little jerk.
0: He sure is sandbagging this guy. Because <laughs> this
1: is such a small story. Right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it is hypocrite. The guy's a hypocrite, I guess. I'm sure he's mm-hmm. riled against these kinds of movies. But he puts 7500 bucks in a
0: movie that his brother-in-law pitched to. You know what I mean? John, it is now 2019. I could not care less. I would love for this to be the kind of... Uh, That's a
1: great point. This is what used to bombshell. sink politicians.
0: Yeah. yeah. I'm like, Oh, okay. Why are we talking about this? You
1: yeah. had to say, the statement he has made about my drooling over this movie is just totally false. We obviously have an old family vendetta here. Wow. He just wanted to get into the movie business and was flabbergasted to find out he was helping to produce
0: a body film. That's so funny. It's the same as anything. That can't possibly be. Right. He went to directors and writers and everyone, and they all talked about what happens. He didn't ask to see a script. Right. Absolutely. Oh, it's about it's about helping orphans. Yeah. A, all we Good need is $7,500. $5. And then he saw it and was just like, I can't believe you spent... Yeah. You've never steered me wrong before, brother-in-law. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> now, this is a one last weird little thing I came across in the paper. I, maybe you'll remember this because you grew up around here. There was a store. They took out a full-page ad in the Daily News called the Crazy Store. I don't know that. They had two locations that they called the North Pole and the South Pole. Okay. Weirdly, the South Pole location is now a mental institution. Oh, boy. (laughs) Which is total coincidence, I think, that it was called the Crazy Store. Yeah. And they built a mental institution there. Yikes. The North Pole is now a key food But this joint sells everything from women's jeans to two-pound bags of pretzels. Mm -hmm. It's like if Kramer opened a
0: shop. I'm like, so far, you've just described Costco.
1: These are all the... Oh, yeah, that's true. Okay. Well, this isn't that interesting, (laughs) I guess. It's just... It's such a weird mix of products on one page. Yes. Like, I'm scanning it like, oh, do they have what I need? Low fat right. <laughs> granola cereal with raisins, seventy nine cents. Vivitar uh-huh. camera, seventeen ninety nine. <laughs> four piece bathroom set of Raggedy Ann and Andy waste basket, soap dish, and toothbrush holder and cup, four dollars, which is a steal.
0: Yeah, get your Raggedy Ann and Andy gear.
1: Stuffed animals, ninety nine cents to one ninety nine, and it's a picture of a stuffed bear with a speech bubble that says bankruptcy buyout. Great stuff. <laughs> And the animals listed are Cocker Spaniel, Panda Picks, Snappy Mouse, Clickin' Kitty, and many others. I think Clickin' Kitty was some discontinued merch from uh, Beauty Queens, the movie.
0: (laughs) I was going to say that, too.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And then there's a cutout coupon from this place for admission of one child for free to the North Winds Circus with a Purpose.
0: This place is great.
1: And then at the bottom... You could buy mattresses,
0: Murphy it beds. It truly is a crazy store. It
1: really is. It's really crazy, and I can't get over it.
0: <laughs> Children's
1: River Beach Sandals, 50 cents. Nevco Stainless Steel Heavyweight Frying Pan, 399. Like, it's just, it's some crazy person
0: is just rattling off products. Yeah, and selling it for low, low prices. Crazy prices. And now it's a mental institution. And a key food. <laughs> it's both. Even that. even. (laughs) Also, it's so Queen-centric. They sell just like, you can buy stuffed animals. You can buy lasagna noodles. You can buy beds. You can buy shoes. You can buy food. Okay, sorry, you've got to close. Uh, What are you going to be? Half of one of us is going (laughs) to be a mental institution. The other one is going to be a key food. (laughs) I
1: also love that it's so Queen-centric that the North Pole... Is in one part of Queens, and the South Pole is just in another part of is Queens. Is a different part
0: of Queens? Yeah. I love Chris Gethard. His show is great. Uh, What's it called, Russ? It was called The Chris Gethard Show. Oh, no that No longer show. on the air. I thought he meant great. his podcast, which I don't remember oh, the name of. his podcast is called Beautiful Anonymous. It is also very good. Uh, everyone check it out. Do that. I read an interview with him recently where he's talking about... He's, he's doing primarily stand-up now, and he's done well for himself. He had a, a, a special on HBO... But he's just like, yeah, you know, I try to get my stuff out there. So and I try to make sure that it works in all different kinds of locations. So one night I'll be in Manhattan. The next I'll be in Brooklyn. The next I'll be in a different part of Brooklyn. The next I'll go to Astoria. The next I'll go back to Manhattan. Look, that's true. Right. But but that's all New York City. That's all New York City. Right, right, right. (laughs) Yeah, that's very funny. Yeah. Speaking of the queen centricness, that made me think of that. Yeah. I love it. I love this crazy store. I love uh, Kirkland brand products that you can pick up at uh, your local Costco. I don't like All Costco. good things. What do you like you about like this it? episode? What do I like about this episode? John, I liked... I was directed by Lembeck, and it was written by everyone.
1: Andy Michael Gordon. Michael Lembeck, yeah. Eileen Khan, Jeffrey Cleric,
0: and Jeffrey Lane. Great. I like everything that happens in this episode. I don't know what to tell you. Russ. Okay. I like the magical Ugh. realism that happens in the second I'm a sucker for this fantasy. But it's so boring. Okay, let's
1: tell everyone what happens. Yes. Basically, it's their anniversary. There's a whole comedic mix-up, a little about the presents, yada, 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 which we'll get to. Yeah. And uh, they go out that night, and they sort of come across uh, a recurring location is the uh, newsstand at which we saw them meet at in season one. Right. When they were buying uh, newspapers or whatever, and she left the dry cleaning ticket. and. They encounter it during a fight on the night of their anniversary, and it has burned to the ground. And right. that leads Jamie to wonder if they ever would have met in the first place if that newsstand hadn't existed. Right. And then it becomes a Twilight Zone slash like a sliding doors situation, if you will, if you've seen that Gwyneth Paltrow film. Sure. where we Or It's a Wonderful Life also. Mm-hmm. We sort of see what their lives... They experience the reality of the world if they hadn't met. Right. And it slowly dawns on them. Like they go back to their apartment and the key doesn't work. And the Conways live there and they've taken both apartments. Right. And they look at their driver's licenses and they both have different addresses and blah, 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 blah.
0: Jamie's last name is still Stemple. Yes. And Paul's last name is still Buckman. Right. Also worth noting. <laughs>
1: And then sort of like they sort of retreat into these older versions, of the, these alternate reality versions of themselves where they're still single. Right. And if, as fate would have it, they do end up finding each other still in the end.
0: Yes. They are both very unsettled, just kind of in their lives and in the night. And then they go and they meet each other back at the newsstand, which has burned down. They find themselves happening there. And then uh, they remember each other. Yeah, that's the G. Well, that's the episode. Thank you so much for listening. We've got a theme song. It goes like <laughs> I mean, this. Listen, I'm not going to fight it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the first half is like an episode of Mad About You. Yes. Because 80% of it is the anniversary gift. Yes. They don't get to the setup for the larger premise of the two-part episode until the,
0: the second to last scene, really. Basically, Start yeah. the last scene. Up until it's, then, long it's... Scene. Yeah, it's a, an episode where Paul and Jamie decide to get anniversary gifts for each other. They're not going to spend a lot of money. And we learn that neither of them know what to get for the other one. So Paul talks to Fran, Jamie talks to Ira. And at the end of the day, Lisa winds up buying the gift for Paul to give to Jamie. And Ira picks out Paul's present. Right. First scene
1: is funny, I thought. Uh, I enjoyed I thought, oh, we're off to the races now because uh, Paul comes back from an anniversary dinner that his mother made that Jamie skipped because she said she had to work. which I was knew totally you'd like made this. Right. And uh, his mother sent the sent dessert home with him, right? And we get a beautiful little run while they're discussing what presents they're you know what the present arrangement is for them for this anniversary of him right. unpacking the desserts. All right, here we go. She sent brownies. She sent cookies. She sent a sponge cake.
0: Maybe we should get each other, like, a little something.
1: Fine. Good. She sent cherries, halva, some sort of pie. What if we agree not to spend more than $10 each? Fine. Or 20 tops. Good. Did I say brownies? Yes. All right, she sent more brownies. So... We so, have milk. So, $20?
0: Yeah. Okay, good. Cool. Hey, empty.
1: Don't look at me. She sent milk the cadence of she sent da 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 she sent da 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 she sent da 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 break three time i mean
0: oh it's <laughs> asmr yeah you just did a little uh, a little shimmy and then they got you they got you in the back of the head. <laughs> the reveal of her packing the milk cuz she knew they'd be out yes <laughs> paul does do that
1: oh and some of these desserts are so specific and good like cherries and halva
0: Really, yeah, for really sure. stood out to me. Yeah. This is a New That's York. That's how you know mom. they're Russian Jews. Yeah. <laughs> she packed cherries. That's fun. Mm-hmm. I like that Lisa winds up getting the, picking a collection of glass grapes. Yeah. So for, Lisa works.
1: The last job I remember Lisa getting was in that department store. Yeah. Is this that department store? Yeah. Because it looks like an antique shop.
0: I think it may be the antique portion of the department store I forgot the department not, stores often have an antique portion have antiques Yeah. it yeah, must yeah. just be the housewares section I guess I think so with yeah with a yeah. lot of ugly old looking stuff right and Fran thinks that she should get a, uh, a tray a serving tray right it's a stainless uh,
1: steel German serving tray high-end yes. and Nagler I believe that's correct and I googled it and it's
0: not real not real <laughs> and uh Lisa likes this sculpture, I guess, of glass grapes. Yeah. And at I don't the even end of think day, she likes it.
1: I think she just, she's like, I have to get back to work. Come on, guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And she's just trying to push anything on him.
0: Right. So at the end of the day, Lisa brings what was supposed to be the tray, but instead she brings the glass grapes and she says, Because the stem was broken, I got an at a discount. Which is great. And
1: Paul's fate, but the acting in this episode is exceptional. Yes. And that's one of the very fun moments with Paul. Just the way he reacts, blah, blah, blah. You Mm -hmm. have to see it, I guess. You do. You should buy it and watch it. You should buy it and watch it. It's $25 for the whole series. (laughs) I mean, what are we doing? So the whole thing that leads up to the gift confusion, me and my girlfriend have done this before, the conversation of like, are we doing presents? Right. Are we going to put a cap on the price we we spend? And then you always want to do that, but then you never want to follow it. You know what I mean? It's so strange. Uh, it makes you feel comforted to set up the arrangement. But then you immediately want to violate it. At least that's what I find.
0: <laughs> so you basically you say, okay, we're not going to spend a lot of money. Right. And, once, and then you buy a $150 one, present. Yeah, once hands have been shaken, you go out and get a car. Right. Right. I hear you. It's a, so that's, realistic. Because there's no shaking the pressure of a present. I'm just like, we'll just do a little thing. It happens immediately in this episode where they weren't going to do anything. And then she's like, should we do something? Yeah, and then but then she's like, Okay, but a ten dollar limit, twenty max. Right. Like within one line, she has doubled. Yeah, she's Absolutely. doubled her, because her it's minimum. Really a, or a, the max. Yeah. You don't want to put
1: limits on it. Because at the end of the day, the limits don't take away the pressure of having to surprise them. Even if there's a if you put a ten dollar limit and it's your anniversary, you still have to get something very specific and tasteful for them. Sure. Putting a ten dollar cap on it only makes that harder.
0: Right. It feels easier, but it's much harder because... the limit... You'd rather spend $400 and get something very generic. Well, no, because then you can dilute.
1: No, that's the thing. You try and buy the feeling of specificity. <laughs> sure. That's the power of the cap. <laughs> right? You try to buy the
0: feeling of specificity.
1: <laughs> that's, the, that's the song and dance show. It's fireworks. It's, oh, this costs a lot of money. He loves me.
0: Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I'm like that's you can dilute what you were going the to meaning say. a you little. Try to buy love a little, a little. A
1: l- <laughs> I'm not saying that's what you should do. I'm saying that's how we are. That's you know, right? Especially in this capitalistic society. Sure, nothing is more meaningful than money.
0: I've been listening to, uh, I think it was a podcast. I'm wearing a T-shirt for right now called Feliz Navipod. I think I've spoken to uh, <laughs> about it on this. Uh, That's fun. podcast on our show before yeah it's two guys and every week is a Christmas special oh okay it's really fun they talk about Christmas every week and at one point they talked about they had one of the guys Todd Cooper his wife Sarah Watkins was on and they talked about how Sarah loves giving gifts and loves thinking months before about the perfect gift to give yes where they write down, you know, somebody will say something and they'll write it down, or they'll hunt it down, or they'll make it.
1: Yes, I keep a list. And when ideas
0: pop in my head, is I'm this getting leading better. To you at
1: saying it. you're a thoughtless present giver?
0: <laughs> I can't be better. I used to be really good at it, really and well. I, I wanna, I wanna be better. I do pretty well every now and again. Life was simpler unless uh, we, we had more time on our hands. Maybe I'm just yeah, being too hard on myself. But it uh, might be, might be. But, but I, uh, I
1: believe you. I could see you not being... uh You could see me being pretty... Pretty bad at giving presents. Pretty, pretty <laughs>
0: thoughtless. A pretty thoughtless dude.
1: I'm very good at it. My family tells me I'm very good at presents. But I do wait till the last minute. Yeah. And it's sort of a fun stress. It's like a real challenge, you know? Right. What can you yeah. pull together in four
0: days? Yes. Amazon Prime ruined everything. I hate Amazon. Do you? Just... Period, the
1: end. Yeah. Now, granted, I did buy a few Christmas presents on Amazon. Sure, sure, But sure. only only the final ones in the real pinch. Yeah. Everything else came from local stores.
0: Good for you, man. Absolutely. Support not me, baby. Support the local businesses. I was just like, look, everybody, I love you, but I couldn't get this in two days. So here's what you got. Fair enough. It happens. I hate Amazon. <laughs> yeah.
1: And I'm not afraid to say it. <laughs> they could offer us a million dollars for this podcast. I would, I would refuse it. I'll take it. We'll talk. Okay. <laughs> but I like that, that I like that aspect of the show. I think it's very realistic. It's a fun couple thing. Yes. It feels like classic mad about
0: you. Yes. And it leads to a fight which is not a knockdown drag out, but it's fun in that yes. because they both did it. Right. You know? Exactly. Yeah. So Jamie's feelings are hurt because Well, we gotta explain the whole uh Twilight. The whole library scam. Yeah. Ira bought uh, Paul's gift on behalf of Jamie. And what that gift was, was an enormous poster for the movie Attack of the 50-Foot Woman. It's beautiful, which is the first movie that Paul ever saw. Yes. Have you ever seen it? I don't no. I doubt it. Same. No. Me neither. So, yeah. So, that's what they bought. And the fact that, well, go, what were you going to say?
1: Well, I was just going to say, Paul can't give Jamie the grapes because he knows they suck. Right. And he has no idea what to do. Fran has a horrible suggestion, which is go find something in the apartment that you can wrap up. Yeah, that's ridiculous and Yeah, it's yeah. the dumbest thing she's ever said. <laughs> then Ira shows up with uh, Paul's gift wrapped up for Jamie, and Ira has a great suggestion. Mm. Ira says, just write her a little note or whatever. Wait, or does Paul come up with that on his own, actually? I think Ira says... Take her out for a special night? Yes. Yes, so Paul... In the kitchen, they're having this conversation, and Paul grabs a pad of paper and writes down a little note, a little love note to give her, and now they can improvise. This is Iris' yes. plan. It's like, oh, I plan this whole special night for you. We'll make something special happen.
0: Yes. Even that, that could break really poorly for them. The idea of, it's time for us to exchange presents. You gave me a gift. It's a coupon for a nice night. Oh, yeah. That's the tropey version. Yeah. Exactly. I agree with you.
1: This avoids all those pitfalls.
0: Yeah. Instead, she's on board. What does this mean? And also, they've got Ira there, really just burying Paul, saying he got you the most romantic restaurant in town. It's
1: so smart though, because he's leading her to share.
0: Because mm-hmm. all it says is
1: like this entitles you to one special night or something, one magical yes. night, and we nobody knows what that means, right? And Ira is leading her, and we find out that in her mind, the. The greatest place would be the Twilight Room, which I assume is the Rainbow Room, which also I don't know why they couldn't say the Rainbow
0: Room. It's an NBC Studios. It's on the top floor. I also don't know. I looked up the Twilight Room. It does not exist. The closest I was able to find, I believe, was a place in either Colorado or New Hampshire. I can't quite recall. Whereas this is the most romantic spot. That place is a wing joint.
1: Hey, if you're talking about
0: Ira. (laughs) Oh, and I think it's also closed.
1: (laughs) It's definitely the Rambo Room, where I've always wanted to go. Yeah, you know the Rambo Room, right, Russ?
0: Yeah, NBC Studios.
1: You know, it's like an old dancing and dinner and drinks
0: club. Yeah, we'll go. No, I'm not asking you out. If I understand, <laughs> if I understand what's going on in this episode of the television show and you and me right now, yeah, uh, let's go. <laughs>
1: So Ira buries him So Jamie It's clear Jamie's like It's impossible To get a reservation And Ira's like Oh we got one And yeah. it's it's for six For six Because it's him And Susanna And I guess Oh Fran and Lisa Yeah Right And Paul and Jamie So that's six yep. So now they They gotta go Finagle their way in To the restaurant mm-hmm. Which is so mm-hmm. fun to, All of this is so fun Because yes. Ira the con man Is leading the way Through this whole thing Yep They get to the restaurant Eventually Edward Hibbert who is mm-hmm. the critic Gil from Frasier. Okay. Who has the Food Critic radio show. And he, sure. he's in everything. Yeah. Everyone will yep. recognize his voice from this clip, which is when uh, Iris trying to con his way into the reservation by guessing other people's names and saying it's the alias that Paul uses. It's really good. Did you make the reservation or did Marcy? Marcy? Yeah, that's mm-hmm. his secretary. She might have put it under another name. Yeah. Oh, she does that all the time.
0: <laughs> Check Smith, Kennedy, Wilson, or Harper. <laughs> No. How about uh, Cohen? Hollinger? Rogers? Channing or Channing? (laughs) No, sir,
1: I'm sorry. Well, what do you have? A ping. Ping. There we are. (laughs) Sir, I'm afraid the pings have already been seated at our table. It's a great bit. (laughs) And they sneak it into the end and no one really laughs at it. But when Ira throws out the pings... And the yes. manager D says the pings have been seated. And he goes, uh-huh. at our table?
0: <laughs> at our table? That's such a good cap. The level of Ira's commitment to this scam. Yeah. It's really funny. Ira, <laughs> this is like
1: Ira on 10. Yeah. This whole episode to me. And then they call bribing. He's like, oh, let's slip him a little money. Right. And Ira calls it schmearing him, which is amazing.
0: <laughs> let's schmear him. I think I've heard that before. But yeah, I it love a, it. A nice touch. So Paul leaves In a fake huff This is a brilliant move By Paul I think
1: Mm -hmm. Because Jamie can tell Something's up And Paul's like No I made a reservation She's like Well why aren't they Honoring it And he he turns And he's like You're right This is absurd Yeah And he he yells at them Here's the clip it just makes me mad honey it's okay don't that's stop. just no don't it stay. really is wrong what kind of place is this you know we made reservations weeks ago we show up we're dressed up we're here on time and this is the kind of treatment we get honey, it's okay This well, is, wait, no, so no, is no 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 I will not be treated this way I will not have our friends
0: treated like this get the coast no you know what this is not the only joint town no 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 please this is a big city there are plenty of places just as good just as classy and when you get around to calling our names that's where we'll be come on
1: it's so fun to hear Paul outraged.
0: Paul is... <laughs> Even though di- it's
1: faking. This is his sexiest episode.
0: Oh, wow. We haven't thought of Paul being sexy in quite a little while. I, it's so hard. But <laughs> I would say
1: between this temper and his ability to like do this maneuver, and then later sure. he has like a very brooding face at one point outside the newsstand. Oh, my. Okay, before yeah. Before he kisses her, I think. It's, yeah, I he really just, does think, it for you. I think, yeah, I think it's clear why Jamie went for him. so they storm out and they end up at a punk club
0: yeah like they talk about how there are plenty of very classy places besides the rainbow room right or the twilight room in New York and we are going to go to them and then they smash cut to this punk club which to me is
1: very reminiscent I don't know if this is deliberate of Hannah and her sisters
0: okay remember I don't I don't know the movie very well
1: it's a little different but he takes her to see um Bobby Short play at the Carlisle. Okay. You know, which is like Cole Porter on a piano. Right. And she hates it. So then she takes uh-huh. him to CBGB's, and it cuts from, like, this quiet, nice thing to, like, screaming music.
0: Sure. Probably not necessarily Sounds it, tenuous it,
1: it, at best. I could be wrong.
0: That's quite all right. Yeah, you're wrong.
1: <laughs> so, yeah, this is where Jamie is going to the bathroom, and, and Iris starts talking about it. He's like, I can't believe we got away with it. And she comes back and no one hears that she's back and she hears them and blah, 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 Yeah. And this is what you're talking about, though. I love that.
0: Yes, it's not a big blowout. Right. They leave. Yeah. And her feelings are hurt, but she's not mad at him. Yes. And she can't be too mad at him because he calls her out pretty early saying, hey, I got my gift. I know because I bought it. Right. I oh, I love that. I picked it out. Yeah. And so then it just becomes about you know what's the fight really about, and it's about oh have we lost it for each other? Or mm-hmm. Are we? And Paul starts talking about what's he say that the, uh, the gods would have brought us together? Uh, no, is this is before that? I think I'm trying to remember what the bit about the gods.
1: Whatever was. he starts talking about Greek gods and as it pertains to their relationship, he's being hyperbolic, but yeah, he tries to name he... them and he says Zeus and Jicama. Yeah. Yeah. And jicama is one of those riser words that, like, it's, like, built for his mouth.
0: If it didn't exist, he'd have to invent it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, and he's referring to Hecuba, which, of course, right. Jamie knows. Yeah. Immediately.
0: Yeah. She knows that jicama is not a god, but is a food, and then also knows that he means Hecuba, who also is not a god. She's a very smart person. <laughs>
1: So then they, yeah, they come across the newsstand. It's burned down. They have a little fight about fate. Yep. They decide to go home. The yeah. con, their key doesn't work. Yeah. The door is opened by the resident of that apartment and it is the Conways. Yeah. In their apartment.
0: Yeah. The Conways have moved into the Buckman's apartment. They
1: knocked the wall down between the two apartments as they mm-hmm. ta- discussed like seasons ago. Yep. This was my least favorite Conway appearance.
0: Oh, that's fair. Nothing happens, really. They don't do a lot of Conway stuff. They do have a fun bit, which is out of character for them, I think. As they're trying to piece things together, Jamie says, where's our couch? Where's Murray? And Hal says, you have a couch named Murray? I like that bit a lot. (laughs) I found
1: myself reminiscing of other Conway bits, like when Paul hears a dog and he thinks it's Murray, and it's their little dog, and I was... I. My brain went back to that, one of my favorite lines from an older episode when Maggie says she's a show dog. (laughs) Paul goes, oh, what does she strip? (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty good. This is what, so here's what I'll give you, Russ. Everything from this point on, oh, and this is the, is this the beginning of season of
0: episode two now? It's about to be. It's the end of episode one.
1: Right. I will say that even though it's oppressively boring moment to moment. Mm -hmm. Like the tone and weird, surreal feeling of it is very satisfying and palpable.
0: Yeah, I think it's a really neat
1: fantasy. It's very romantic in, in how surreal
0: it is. It's like ghosts or like... There's something very interesting about watching the two of them slowly forget each other. Yeah. That's the thing that happens in this episode. At this point, they're just like, what What do they mean? Why doesn't he... And they forget you know, each other it, together, which is weird. Yeah. Like, as they're, they're
1: together, they start to forget each other.
0: They go through their wallets. They see where I their lives are scene. different. That is the they, last
1: scene that's still interesting.
0: We see that Jamie's license is for Stemple, and they both have two different apartments.
1: They're trying to figure it out together.
0: Yes. And all the details they,
1: are pulling them apart.
0: Right. And... This is where it turns into a B movie plot or a horror movie plot. If you were with your loved one, yes, and all of a sudden your your key didn't fit in your door, and your shared home was being inhabited by the neighbors, and your landlord didn't know who you were, and then it turned out that you had separate ID, uh, IDs, would the next thing you do be okay? Let's split up, right? You would want to band together. I'd be like, no way! I'm staying with you forever. I don't know what the hell's going on. That's
1: true. The only familiar thing we have now is each other.
0: Yes, that's true. Um, but that's
1: operating from a place of fear, Russ.
0: That's true.
1: <laughs> that's, that speaks volumes, I think. That's not them. That's where. That's where they're not like me. <laughs> also, feeding the tone perfor- from a performance perspective, like uh, Hal and Maggie Conway are like, we got to get. That Maddie, we don't know who these creeps are, but you know, it's time to go. And they call Mr. Wicker up. Right. And he, oh, Jerry Adler's such a good actor. He yeah, does such he a good job of like politely ushering them out in a calm and safe feeling mm. way that makes you feel like on edge a little. Yeah. And he's very funny in it also. Yes. And then when he gets them outside, he stands in the doorway and it's kind of
0: weird. Yeah. He stands there the whole rest of the scene watching them. Yeah, he's trying to make sure they leave. Yeah. But just him saying, you know, uh, Paul saying, will you tell them who we are? And him saying, sure, who are who you? Who are you? Yeah. <laughs> uh, this whole
1: episode creates this fun. It paints the New York that you, it's connected to the the New York of movies and TV that everyone, the fantastical version of the city.
0: Yes, it feels like a very New York episode. Yes. sure. So <laughs> they, they have a fun bit when they're sorting out who they are and going through each other's wallets where oh. Paul, Paul finds a condom yes. in his. In his wallet. Yeah, in his wallet. And uh, he says, looks like you get around. Well, it looks like you get around. And then Jamie has a string of about what? She eight? pulls him out of a purse like it's a yeah.
1: scarf out of a magi- magician's hat. <laughs>
0: <It's> <laughs> such <laughs> a
1: great bit. This is when the show is still good, I think, though. And then, it, again, I think it falls off the rails. But this is them existing in this crazy situation but being really active and funny yes like the the beat later he asked jamie he's like are you dreaming which makes it feel so surreal to me but then they both slap themselves yes
0: to see and they they hurt themselves and it's funny yeah the second part i mean it's less joke heavy oh that's the understatement of the century obviously but like but they're not going for that necessarily so i I don't miss it that might be a mistake See, I don't. I was okay with it. I I feel like they earned it. Okay. See, here's what I think. I think that the idea of what if, you know, in a show about a couple, a married couple, for the third season finale, half of it is what if they magically had never met. Oh, I think that is
1: very compelling. But moment to moment, the story isn't that interesting in the second half of the episode. I agree with you. That is amazing. It shows you what confidence a show with ratings like this in the third season yeah. can have, where it's like we're going to do the weirdest episode of a sitcom that
0: you've ever seen,
1: and I it's going to be an hour.
0: To... It's like a movie, right? This is like a movie. Yeah. It's like a movie. We get to see what would have happened to all of the characters. Also, we see Paul living with Ira. We get to see what happened with Fran. I think it might uh, be that there's... unfortunately, the I oh, feel like the biggest the Fran. biggest laugh that they go for. Oh, was is that, that a pun? No, it wasn't, but it might as well have been. Yeah, the Fran part's a bummer because they just say that Fran got fat. So she's eating all the time, and when she's talking, it's only about food. It's a real Monica and friends situation. Yeah, that's not my my favorite part of this episode. Me neither. But I do like seeing Paul and Ira living together. I think the problem is... I like seeing Ira going on a date with Jamie. I think that's pretty interesting.
1: It is, but you don't feel their anxiety. Nothing's propelling the plot forward in any way that feels. I think I know what you mean. It feels because, um. Oh, what's the word? Inevitable. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, it's because they're watching them forget about each other. Maybe interesting, or maybe um, neat to watch. Kind of, but it's not like it's not necessarily a story. Right. Watching them slowly forget about each other. The end is just like, oh, they forgot about each other. And then they remember each other.
1: Yes. I guess that's a very passive way to go through a story. Yeah. Because I agree with you. I love all the things that happen in a way. Like, I love all the, um, if you were to make a list of the scenes. Yeah. Like we're doing. They all sound
0: great. I'll tell you, I don't like Eric Stoltz being back.
1: Oh. Oh, yeah. Listen, the second time I watched this episode, I, I watched the second episode in about 10 minutes. (laughs) because I I had to skip parts. I don't like Eric Stoltz being back. All they do is have a boring fight that we've seen a million times on everything else.
0: Yeah, but it's also funny. I said to Jen, it's funny, the fight they have. So Eric Stoltz comes back, kisses Jamie. She slaps him. She says, how could you do that? I'm married. And he says, what are you talking about? We're together. And then the bell rings, this bell in the episode rings, indicating that she has forgotten Paul And immediately she's just like, what are you talking about? There's nobody else. And he's like, but you just said. And she's like, you know what? There's nobody else. Stop lying. you got to relax. This relationship is over. It's not working. So even in this situation, I'm like, they managed to make Jamie be wrong, kind of. Right, with this guy, yeah. There's a different version of this show called Alan or whatever, where he goes and talks to his friend. And it's just like, Jamie and I broke up. She tells me that she's with this other guy, and then out of nowhere, she said, "Like us." The next line, she's denying his existence, and then she has the gall to be mad at me. She's bananas. Yeah,
1: and that's what it's called. She's bananas. She's (laughs) okay. So let's talk about that trope, if we may, briefly. Sure. In a very Back to the Future esque fashion. Okay. Parts
0: of... Sore subject for Mr. Stoltz, but keep going.
1: <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah. Parts of their relationship vanish every time a, a little bell goes off. For yes. example, Paul gestures to show Ira his wedding ring. Right. We see his hand. We see a ring. Right. We hear a bell. Yep. We see a little glimmer, an animated glimmer of a little star yep. that appears on his finger, and the ring vanishes. Right. And Paul like any person in that situation would do, goes, huh, what? And he looks down at the floor. It's not there. And we move on. <laughs> well, we, we cut. We cut. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm sure he had a nervous breakdown in the next <laughs> scene. <laughs> and that's because I'm also like, why? I, I get why because they're probably worried that no one would get it otherwise. But really, you don't need any of that, I think. I think it's neat. You think it's th- neat? And I think Are you, you out do of your need, mind? I think
0: you do need that. If you're if you're you going to have these. You think it's neat? The corniest, dumbest effect in the world? If you're going to have these people forget about each other. Yeah. These people who are married. And you're going to watch them forget about each other. The first thing is, like he said, like what Paul does. Is you'd say, oh, yeah? Well, if I'm not married, then how do I get this ring? You want to see the ring disappear. No, you don't. That's how you. You don't? You want him to hold up his hand and for him to not have a ring on. Yes, but for him to expect
1: the ring to be on it, and for okay. Ira to be like, "What are you talking about?" And he's like, he looks at it and he's like, "Yeah,
0: I don't know." I think I disagree, but I understand where you're coming from. That's what I very will say diplomatic. is, what I will say is, Paul holds up his hand, palm out, in order to show. That's you're right. That is strange. It, to cheat in order to, to show. Yeah, he cheated to the camera. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's showing Ira his palm. <laughs> the way he's everyone like, shows a ring. Yeah, hey, how about this ring? You can see. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Though, arguably, if, a band is the same all around.
0: Yeah, yeah. If he had an enormous ring on his finger that that took up most of his hand and showed him his palm, he would still get. I think he would still get the same response from Ira, which is, at first glance, I'd say I'm looking at your left hand. Because, yeah, that's what it is. You don't talk about the ring because you're not showing the ring. Yeah. You're showing a palm. That's a, You're show, You're not showing the ring. You're showing a palm. <laughs> that is a great point. That's the first thing I don't like about this episode.
1: Oh, so you alluded to the date. Oh, there is one bit that's funny in this second half, if I may. Is it Ursula? Yes. I have the clip. Great. This is uh, Paul and Ira are at Riff's. And Paul's just sort of in a funk. One thing that was an interesting and unusual: a very beautiful woman walks by, yes, catches Paul's eye, uh-huh. and he does
0: not feel pain. Th- that is true. It's jarring. Instead, he says, "See what happened there."
1: Yeah, which is a very different Paul. Yeah, I mean, there's it,
0: no physical ailment that based, she bestowed upon him based on her appearance
1: and his her appearance and his track record. <laughs> in terms of her being his type He should have been like doubled over in pain Yeah <laughs> So Ursula comes out And she's bringing in the specials Right Because she doesn't remember them So she goes against the chalkboard outside And brings it in And the way she holds it She she ends up erasing the whole thing with her chest Right And stomach Her front. Very funny bit Very funny bit So Paul helps her write them down So she recites them to him And he writes them on the chalkboard What do we got? Okay
0: um, Today is Saturday so, um, the soup would be du jour. Am I going too fast? No. No, 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 no. Okay. Okay. Um, and for the entrees, we have, um, chicken with kites. Kites?
1: Kites. Kites? Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, Some kind of meat. You know what?
0: Just write meat. You got it. Okay. And then we have um, coho salmon in a lime butter sauce um, with shallots and baby corn on a bed of couscous. Okay. Great. Okay. Now draw a line through it, because we're all out of that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So good. Chicken with kites. With kites. Yeah, I mean, I could have watched them clarify that for the rest of the episode.
0: It's real good.
1: It's amazing.
0: <laughs> it's so weird and funny. <laughs> I said to Jen, I was just like, rice? Is it supposed to sound? She's like, I don't know. I think so. <laughs> yeah.
1: And then for Paul to do a hand gesture when he confirms. Yeah. And for her to double-dead be like,
0: yes. Kites. Yes. We haven't seen Ursula in a long time Because uh, I don't think she's been on the uh, the the show much this season Yeah, because she's now a a super duper star Oh,
1: you're right Oh, very interesting
0: Yeah Oh, Um, I wonder
1: if um, we've had that episode of Friends Where Jamie and
0: Fran appear uh, Probably not I don't think so Okay But uh, maybe Like for me, I thought Oh, this is We have Oh, we have? It's season one I think it's the season finale. Oh, interesting.
1: Because uh, isn't the season finale... Wait, when does Joey date Ursula? Isn't it towards the end of season one?
0: I don't know. I don't recall. I don't recall. I played the fifth. Um, good. I'd hate for you to perjure yourself. <laughs> I feel like uh, Lisa Kudrow maybe a little bit forgot how to play Ursula. Yes, it did feel a little different. She's a little bit more Phoebe than uh, she ever used to be. I think you're right. I think I felt that too. Yeah, just a little. They're very yeah. similar, but yeah, they're they're also different and this felt pretty Phoebe. Absolutely. A different kind of space cadet. Oh yeah, so the date. Yes. So one of the things that happens when they're
1: forgetting each other and I I hate this so much, Paul <laughs> kind of notices Lisa on the on the street and it's like, "Huh, eh, right. she's kind of familiar. I don't right. know." And then Ira notices Jamie. Right. And then he hits on her and ends up making a date with her. Right. And there was a fun joke later where he's talking about the date with Paul. And he's like, well, I'm going to see if she has a sister. Yes. To be Paul's date, which is funny. That's fun. So we get to see Jamie and Ira on a date. Yeah. Which is, I agree. It's a fun idea. This scene is good, too. It's a good scene.
0: It's not a funny scene. Because it's a bad date. It's a bad date. And Ira is and It's great and weird to see... Two of these fun, funny characters with so much charisma. Yes. Who we know just on a bad date with each other. And
1: also it's not the kind of bad date that you would see on a normal sitcom where like, oh, right. he's saying the wrong thing and she's, yeah. offend- you know. No, they're just not clicking. Yeah, right. It's just stilted dialogue that they're both being very friendly. And I love even, it's clearly not a great date. And he offers right. to get her another drink and she's into it. She's like, all right. Yeah. Like they, they're going to
0: keep giving it a shot the rest yeah, yeah. of the night. I think all of that is really neat and really great. And it's also really funny how I think he says at one point, he's like, you like music? She's like, yeah. Yes. And I'm just like, and maybe this is me being a real idiot, but I'm like, yeah, man, everybody likes music. No, that's not like that. Yes. That's a comically. Yeah. Broad question. I remember when I was going to college talking to, I had, I lived with three guys. One of those three guys, I call, I, I talked to everybody on the phone beforehand, and one of the three guys, I was just like, yeah, so I'm going to bring my CDs and uh, make sure that I have those. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, CDs, right. I got to make sure that I bring those. And I was just like, what are we even talking about? You got to make sure you bring your mute. Yeah. <laughs>
1: I mean, Russ, you love music. I do love music.
0: But everyone likes music. Right. I love this bad date. I really like seeing it. I like seeing Paul also hit on Susanna.
1: Yes, it's fun to see that. It's fun to see Paul. So Ira leaves Paul at home to go out with Jamie at this right. bar that I'm pretty sure is the bar that they end up at after the Twilight Room, right? Earlier in episode one. Yes, looks the correct. Same. So yeah it's and like also, CBGB,
0: but more mellow in yeah. this version. And also Susanna said earlier that her band used to play there all the time.
1: Oh, that's great. So yeah. uh, peel the onion. See, what a great episode, right? No, this is the thing. Like, I do like it. It's just so <laughs> oppressively boring to sit through. <laughs> but it's fu- so Paul gets sick of watching TV. Oh, also weird side note. I don't know if you noticed this. The nanny theme? Yes! In <laughs> Ira's apartment, the TV's on. Yeah. And you just hear it in the background. It's a nanny theme. Yeah. Which is so strange. It's a different network.
0: Yeah. Jen was like, it's a different network. She's like, are you sure it's not just jazz? I'm like, that is the nanny theme. Yeah, you hear the when we listened the second time. Just to test, I sang the
1: whole theme along yep. with it. And I, I made thing. it all the, like the rhythm lined up perfectly yeah. with the words. Yep. It was definitely the nanny. Really weird. Also, the nanny was the lead-in to Baywatch in this world. (laughs) Yes. Which is a different network. Yet a third network. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So Paul eventually ventures out because he's getting restless at home. Right. And he wanders over to the bar that I was at. And he heads up to the bar and he gets a drink. And it, it was just, it's fun to see single Paul out on a Friday night. Yeah. Sort of depressed. Like, it's all the very, like, It's the surreal, melancholic, magical kind of New York
0: that is represented in a lot of media from this time. Yeah. You know? And we don't often get... We never get that on this show because we've got the happy couple. Right. Or the busy couple. Right. It was neat to see that. I agree. It was neat to see the kind of women who Paul sometimes would have to wade through in order to go on dates To find... Yeah. Yeah. Like, for instance... The barking booze hound, absolutely played by Katie Huffman. Katie Huffman, Tony Award winning Katie Huffman, ULA from the producers. She intermittently
1: saunters up to the bar, doesn't have to say anything. The bartender knows her, hands her a shot. She shoots it and then barks like a dog and walks away.
0: She does this two times. Is that it? Just two, just twice? Yep. Just twice. Twice is it enough. Is, it, it is great. Yeah. She The second time she walks away, Ira and Paul are on opposite sides of her. When she leaves, Paul sees Ira and says, hey, I saw her first. Yeah. <laughs> oh, here's another interesting thing I'll
1: say. So one of the fun, another fun part.
0: Oh. <laughs> Please tell me this other interesting thing you'll say. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I love this episode even though it sucks to watch okay and it's so many things i love yeah but that's why i can't explain why i was so bored russ okay that's fine it's a mystery but uh so what happens is while i was getting jamie another drink he bumps into susanna who he doesn't know who's yep. panicked because her keyboardist is missing so yep. they get to talking and i was like i play keyboard mm-hmm. so they end up meeting in yep. this alternate reality yep which by implication means that their relationship is as much driven by fate as Paul and Jamie's.
0: Yeah, absolutely. But I don't think theirs is. I mean, probably not, but they are certainly pushing it. This is now the second season that Susanna's been part of the show. Is it? I think so. That's, I'm pretty sure. That's true, I guess. I, All right. I think I think she met him season two. And you know
1: what? Just because a couple doesn't end up getting married doesn't mean the relationship doesn't have some impact on the two of them. That's
0: very true. Just ask John Cusack and High Fidelity. There you go. God, I don't want to ask that guy anything. Uh.
1: <laughs> Here's what's fun, though. That leads to something that I think is very old-fashioned. Is one of my favorite parts of "I Love Lucy," the TV show. Uh huh. You'd never get to see, especially these days, or even 20 years ago. Cosby did it too. A song gets sung. Yes. As just part of the show, it's not a musical show. It's. It's just oh, yeah. we're just in a place where someone's gonna sing a song, yeah. And you hear most of the song, and it sounds nice. I love
0: this song. I do too. Do it's you know great. it? I looked it up. It's called "Where Have You Been All My Life." Uh huh. It's by originally by Arthur Alexander, and uh, it's an old soul song. Beatles covered it. Uh, Jerry and the uh, Pacemakers popularized it. I okay. Think. Oh, that's funny, because no um, one's heard of them, right? Jerry and the Pacemakers? Yeah, right. Uh, they were actually kind of popular. When for a in the week? the sixties, early sixties. They 60s. sang this song. Yeah, are they, they one-hit wonders? A few hits. They're part of the British Invasion. Oh, they're I British. I yeah, I wish I could pull one of their songs. Oh, I think they did uh, a "World Without Love." I don't know how that goes. I'm trying to remember myself. That's okay. I don't care what they say. I won't stay in a world without love. Oh wow, miss that one. Make sure that I'm saying the right thing. It doesn't matter. It totally matters. It's not 10 after 11 or anything. This is the perfect time for me to Google Jerry and the Pacemakers. But yeah, so I love this song. I love the performance of it. It's really her singing.
1: Yeah, and she has a beautiful voice because she's a Broadway
0: yeah. actress, right? Yes. And Bobby. She's great. It's a great scene. And we see Paul and Jamie kind of watching side by side, but, but not aware of not each other. Not with each other. Yes. Yeah. It's, and then I Paul love leaves. this
1: scene. I love that part.
0: Yeah, me too. Paul leaves, goes home. Later, Jamie leaves, goes home. Hate these parts. You hate these parts? Yes. Keep going. These parts didn't necessarily do a lot. They're kind of on the nose for me. Yeah, good thing they're four or five minutes long combined. They are a little bit long. Where Paul Basically, Paul, they say again, I'm unsettled. I don't know why. There's got to be something out there. I just don't know what it is, and that's got to be okay. It's like we got it. We got it. Did you catch what they both said when they left? No. I need to go get a paper? Well, they say, I've got to go get a paper or someone. I need to go get a paper someone? I need to go get a paper or someone. And in the case of Paul, <sighs> Iris says, what? He says, i got to go get a paper or something. And he, like, changes it. But at first he says, i got to get a paper or someone.
1: I want to hate that, but I love it. I kind of know what you mean. Oh, that's great.
0: Great news. I know the songs that Jerry and the Pacemakers did. Oh,
1: fa- oh! I was waiting for that. Thank God. Uh,
0: they did not do the song that I was singing before. Oh, brother. A World Without Love. Or I don't think they did. But they did, How do you do what you do to me? How oh, do you That sounds be like be do, a fun do. song I've never heard. It's great. They did a cover of You'll Never Walk Alone from Carousel. Covers don't count. And they did Fairy Cross the Mercy. Nobody knows what that is. Oh, ferry, cross the mercy.
1: Is that about a bad situation in history?
0: No, I don't think so. If it was, it sure was a bouncy way to talk about it. (laughs) Probably about love.
1: (laughs) All right. Well, I never heard any of those, but I'll give them a listen sometime because uh, I think I would like their music. I think you would, too. Okay. So what happens is they both go out. We see a montage of Paul going to different newsstands and Jamie, because they're searching for something, they just don't know what. Right. And they end up at the newsstand they met at, and it is also burned down in this reality.
0: Not only has the newsstand burned down, but also is the look on Paul Reiser's face smoldering in the eyes of John Marbley. No, but truly... (laughs) I mean, we'll do a,
1: not a sweepstakes, but we'll do a poll. We'll do a poll. We'll do a pole riser. A poll. riser. Or a pole
0: Buckman. Oh, both are good. Both are good. Whether or not this Paul does it for you. But yeah, so they turn up together and they kiss and they say, hey, let's go home. And they kind of just know they both went through just now somehow. I mean, and careful, they're happy. To, you think I'm inferring?
1: No, I think if you think about it too hard, it makes no sense.
0: It all falls apart. You're walking a fine line. (laughs) So then as they walk away, Paul says, hey, are you still in college? And Jamie says, yeah. Hey, do you still think that we should talk about having a baby? I missed that because I was so bored. (laughs) No,
1: I really did. That is
0: that is wild. That's a real tease. No, it's a big lie. I made those things up. I'm talking about the previous cliffhangers, though, the that they've left us with in past seasons, where they're just like, Jamie's going to go to college. And, oh, they're going to have babies. And it's just like, ah, moving on. You're We're not right. going to talk too much about babies or college. Okay, gotcha. We're just going to do another thing.
1: Well, that wasn't very satisfying because I've I'm
0: sorry. It's not your fault. It's uh, it's our the combo of the two of us. It's true. It's not my fault that disappointed you. It's both of our fault yeah. that we are uh, we are collectively disappointing.
1: Here's one thing I'm a little embarrassed to say. Please, there were parts that felt I don't know about you. So there's a lot of outdoor. So this is it's a multicam show. Mm-hmm. Very little of it, I think, is shot in front of a studio audience. In this case, right. A lot of it is on the street. Yes. It was very hard for me at times to tell. There were times where I genuinely thought they were on location. I think they were. But they're then on location, there are so many things that look not real. Interesting. Like the signs of stores look almost like a cartoon version of New York. But then the people and the like the fact that I can't tell and the fact that you Pretty thought good. they were, it means whatever it is, it's great. They did a good enough job. If they faked um, it, it's very impressive. And if it was real,
0: this town looked it, like a cartoon in the nineties. I think they were on location. It, it the stock, the film stock was different than it was. It was shot on something different, but using streets, different cameras.
1: The streets looked too wide. Do you think they were in Toronto? Which is a telltale. They could have been in Toronto. Or another thought I had was, like, did they just go to all the different studios in town that have their own New York backlots and just use each one? Maybe. Because that is a telltale stupid, sign of... Where's
0: that stupid NYU professor when you really need him? Uh, no,
1: I know. This is a great one to talk
0: about, the behind the scenes. Uh. And you can talk about Paul's face and how sexy <laughs> it is. <laughs> I'm like, well, where is he? He's off on some exquisite leg. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: exquisite leg sounds like the way... Paul's mother would describe like a turkey leg.
0: <laughs> You're not wrong. But um
1: <laughs> oh, wide roads are like a signature of backlot New York. Yes. Like I just rewatched Home Alone 2 at Thanksgiving. Uh-huh. You can so clearly tell when they cut from on location like do you remember like how he's in his grandma's abandoned townhouse or something in the movie? Okay. That's where all the stuff goes down with the burglars this time. Right, right, right. And there's so many parts where he's like running through the streets of New York and it's clearly New York. And then he turns onto the road where the townhouse is and, and suddenly the sidewalks are huge. <laughs> <laughs> like, the road is super wide. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> In these buildings, everything looked a little too big and fake, but also so like the people were felt so real, like the foot traffic and the cars like. I don't know
0: Yeah I'll tell you If you didn't buy that part Of Home Alone 2 You're never gonna believe About the scene Where Daniel Stern Turns into a skeleton
1: Oh that's Christina's Favorite part <laughs> I wish Watching that movie As an adult It's upsetting Yeah Well cause you know You, can, you have more pain empathy The older you get Sure And sure. watching Marv Get hit in the head With a brick Four times
0: It's a lot He'd be dead. He'd truly be dead. He'd be a dead person. Yeah.
1: And it's a lot. It's just a lot to watch.
0: <laughs> That's all. Oh, man. That's it. Oh, gosh. Well, Rise Guys, Rise Gals, a long one for you today. We covered two episodes. We and, sure uh, did. We covered the heck out of them. And uh, we covered a season, another season. Russ, three seasons in the bag. I can't believe it. We're moving along. I was going to say we're moving along at quite a clip. But we're not. No, it's uh, uh, we're the tortoise. It's very slow, I think. But it's also very rewarding. But all the other and podcasts we were the hares. That's true. Are the uh, one podcast that tried to do this? Yeah, yeah. Oh gosh, we got to have them. Season four, we're gonna have them on as guests. Yeah, <laughs> I would love that. It would be something else, John. Where can people find out about us on the internet? How can they talk to us? We would love to hear from you, uh, especially
1: during uh, the f- next few weeks where we uh, mm-hmm. won't be talking about the show. You can email us at madaboutupod at gmail.com. You can uh, Facebook or tweet us at madaboutupod. You can visit us uh, on our website, madaboutupod.com. Basically, get if you want to get in touch with us anywhere, we're at madaboutupod. And uh, also, we'd love to we would you know what we would love for Christmas more than anything? Oh, a little boy, rating boy. and review on iTunes. That's all or we Apple ask. Podcasts, if you will. It it helps us get the word out. It helps iTunes uh give us a little more shine, a little more light on us, I think. I don't really know. But I think it maybe, helps maybe.
0: I tell you what, it doesn't hurt. Does not hurt. And you know what? If, it, if it hurts if it hurts, you know, let's find out the hard way. Hurt's so good. Rate us, review us. It'll hurt. We'll tell you to stop. Yeah. But until but yeah. maybe won't. Maybe that's not what'll happen. Until we tell you to stop, keep them coming. There you go. Uh, and tell a friend, spread the word.
1: Uh, it would be great to uh, keep growing the little listenership we got uh, yeah. in season four.
0: For those of you who are listening. Uh, thanks so much, you guys. It's really very special to us that you do. It is very nice that we have such a, a devoted, enthusiastic and vocal listenership. You guys are great. So thanks for listening. Hey, I mentioned it in passing before. Yeah. But it's as true now as it ever was. We got a theme song, and it goes like this. It's by Mr. John D. Ivy, the best in the biz. Thank you so much, John. Our logo is by Mr. Nathan Diffie, the best in that biz. Find him on Twitter at Nathan B-I-F-F-E-E. Thank you so much, Nathan. And our sound is mixed by Mr. Vuk Ivanovich, the best in the biz that I'm aware of. Boy, oh, boy. You know who else is the best in the biz? That's you, John Marbley. Oh yeah, you.
1: Well, that's not true.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's definitely not true. That's uh, it's the truest thing I know. And you're all right too. Well, that's fair. <laughs> what a joy, friend. <laughs> Before we come back with season four, we will be back with some side stuff. We'll have at least one mini minisode. That's that's yeah. my commitment. There we go. And we'll be back to talking mad about you with you in uh, mid February. Feb 12. So, so until then, thanks a lot. This has been Mad About Mad About You. I'm Russ Fader, And I'm John Marbley. And this, this is, is what, what we're, we're saying.
1: saying.